I got sold, sold but, but I'm, I'm not, not a soldier. soldier. I got sold, <laughs> but I'm sold, not but a I'm soldier. Not a soldier. I, I got so sold. All right, that's enough. <laughs> no, let's do it a bunch more. Well, do it as many times as they do in the song. We'll just keep going. All right, just keep going. No other words. <laughs> no, and they this say movie so. kind of flips it because it's about a soldier. Yeah. Whoa. He's got soul, but he but is he a soldier? Not anymore. Impossible to say. <laughs> the jury's still out. <laughs> You know that? See, I okay. I love any time a movie that isn't a mu- I mean, I love musicals as well, obviously. It's my favorite genre. But I love when a movie that isn't a musical just breaks out to a nice song and dance number. It's like my favorite thing yes. in any movie when it just randomly happens. I love that shit so Best much. Best really? movie. Yeah, I love that. That made me so uncomfortable when he was dancing i was like what the hell like i'm trying to finally understand what is going on and there's just like such a long music sequence of like what what's all this well let me break it down Truly. for you funke he's got soul right <laughs> but here's the thing but is he a soldier that's what i'm asking i'm trying to figure out if he's a soldier well that's what i'm not so sure about <laughs> hey what is this podcast yeah, what's this Good podcast? question. This podcast is called Is It Whack? It's a podcast where we talk about movies and debate their whackness. Whack not meaning good or bad, but whatever it means for us on that specific day. And part two, we're in the midst of a mini series called Whack 2K slash Whack to the Future. We have two titles because we like to <laughs> do things we a like different here. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do love the puns over here at Is It Whack? On this miniseries, we're talking about movies that are about the future. We talked about Bill and Ted's bogus journey, and now we're talking about Richard Kelly's 2006 yeah. epic. Yeah? These oh. words are all accurate right now. <laughs> uh, to this point, certainly accurate, right? Yep. Southland Tales. It maybe came out in 2006, and it's debatably an epic. Oh, I think it's undebatably an epic. 2006. <laughs> How is this anything but an epic? You're the, right. It's a science fiction comedy thriller. <laughs> I've never heard this before. Slash musical, slash epic, slash anything action else you want to throw in. Yeah, slash, it was action. Uh, kind of. It's kind of a noir a couple times. Yeah. I felt like I was dreaming. I felt like I paused the movie and I was dreaming multiple times. It's almost an experimental film. Yeah. Almost. It feels <laughs> so it, it's so weird. It truly is and it doesn't really slow down. It's really just like, okay, we're gonna keep going. Yep. <laughs> Keeping of the pace. Well you know what my favorite genre is though? Weird what? blockbusters. And this is certainly the weirdest blockbuster of all. Like blockbusters. Well. Sorry. Could you guys both guess how much money this movie made? I already checked. No. Funky, you want to guess? Uh, can I? Can I find it out had, the budget? It had a budget of seventeen million. Yeah, guess guess how much it made. Uh, five million. 
It made $350,000. Jaw dropping. No way. Funky's jaw literally dropped. You're kidding me. How do you make, how do you not make money after making a movie like this? I looked up a little bit after I watched it the first time. Like, uh, this movie was made by Richard Kelly, who uh, made Donnie Darko, which was a big indie hit mm-hmm. um, and was like critically acclaimed. So they gave him a bunch of money to do whatever he wanted, which he definitely did. And, and yeah, and it was a hu- were- and Donnie Darko was a huge success. Like it was like a huge yes. uh, monetary success as well against a very small budget. So Co- it was kind of just like, budget. yeah, so it was kind of just like, OK, here you go. You did such a good job. Take this money. Do whatever you want. It's the classic like round two. First time director who like massively overperforms expectations. So they just say, "We don't know how you did it, but we're just going to give you money, and we trust that you can do anything." Just do it you again. Want. Yeah, you'll figure just it. Just do it again. It'll be exactly the same thing. So then, what he did was he made this movie that I think is like there's at least like half an hour, uh, a cut that's half an hour longer, and the movie's already two and a half hours. Um, that screened at Khan Film Festival and everyone hated it. And he was going to release a comic book with a whole bunch of story, part of which is <laughs> in the, in this movie. And uh, he didn't end up doing that, I don't think. And they uh, got him to cut it down a bunch and they dumped it in a couple theaters. And I think part of that is that uh, I think they might have thought it would have been controversial, some of it. So maybe they just wanted to hide it. Right. You know, right. like they want to bury it. But amongst, criti- but amongst critics that did see it, like it, it wasn't received well at the time at all. No, not at all. Uh, massive it, critical flop, what? obviously a massive commercial flop. Sorry, Funky, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I, I was actually curious to see what the critics of the time had to say about this one. <laughs> I think there were some wow. people that supported its ambition, but I think it was mostly universally disliked. Uh, people thought it was super convoluted, which it is. Uh, people thought it was, I don't really know what else. These are just things I remember hearing over the years until I saw it today. So I don't really recall specifically what the reaction was. So I did London, not know this existed. So London.com critic Andrew O'Hear called it the biggest, ugliest mess I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert said it was the most disastrous con screening since the Brown Bunny. Uh, what is the brown yeah, bunny people didn't like it uh we don't have time <laughs> but what is it the brown bunny was like this really sexually explicit movie where uh there's a scene where a famous actress uh gives a blowjob to the director and oh it's my entire, God. you see the entire thing oh you my see the God. entire thing in the film jesus <laughs> i've not seen the movie but yeah <laughs> That sounds horrible. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds horrible. Some people go to bat for that guy. I've never seen any of his movies. Kind of sound interesting. Uh, but I, off topic. I think there's also so, one important bit of context that we have to say before we get into this. We were supposed to have a full roster for this episode. <laughs> 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 Nara dropped out pretty early. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't because of the movie. That yeah, was because yeah. of the length. That was because of the length of the movie. Nara long. didn't have yeah. time to fit it in. Hannah did watch most of it and then bowed out <laughs> because it, it was uh, it was too stressful. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't want to like, finish it. Which you know, okay. I, I understand. That's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's so 
Okay, one thing I have to get out of the way. Okay, get it out. The one of the main characters, the cop twin guy. <laughs> do we know his name? Officer like Roland Taverner. Oh, Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. He looks like every PlayStation 3 protagonist I've ever seen. <laughs> in my life. And the whole time I'm like, oh my God, this guy has the look. The, the early PlayStation game look. He's got it. Um, but damn. Um, yeah. I, Seb, I want to, okay. Well, I, I guess I'll say my first experience with it, which was today. And it felt like many lifetimes ago I started the movie. And I lived so many different experiences through <laughs> it, um, but I'm here now, and it was, it was honestly quite a ride. Thank you for suggesting it. Oh, um, thank you, thank you for taking that ride. I'm still curious. Like, all how all did of you... it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first time with this? Um, uh, I feel like this it? movie is kind of enjoying a second wave of consideration online. Like I've heard a lot of people talk about it online on my weird corner of Twitter, all those losers. And I've seen clips of it before um, that I thought looked really cool. I thought, I'm gonna really like this. So I watched it in early quarantine and I did really like it. And I had no idea what was happening, but I just really liked the vibe of it. And then I watched it again yesterday and I understood a lot more of it. And I think it actually made it a little bit worse. But I do think there is a story and there's still a lot of things I don't understand, but there is like a actual story. Oh yeah. And that was clear to me the second time. I I I was getting peace of it the uh, the first time, but yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's one of the most dense movies I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Like seriously, it did. So it starts off with so much exposition. I'm like, getting my notebook out. Like, okay, so the (laughs) 2006. Okay, wait till that. (laughs) This happened and then it doesn't stop. And then they're like, okay, and that's your twin brother. And you have to go there and go (laughs) kill that guy and pretend. I'm like, okay, okay. You know, I, I liken it to something like, uh, Sorry to Bother You, which is one of my favorite movies where it's like both of those films, I feel like they have like a thousand ideas, plot and theme thematically, and they're trying to squeeze it all into one film. And I think the difference is that like Sorry to Bother You is very clearly pointed with its anti-capitalist message. And like every wild move in the film kind of feels like a logical thematic extension of the previous idea. Sometimes in this one, I kind of felt like he's throwing out ideas at random and I'm like yes. picking up loose threads and trying to connect them rather than seeing how like the progression of ideas uh, allows itself to develop. But I was fascinated every step of the way. And uh, I don't know if I have like much of a, I have like a loose read on it that I'll get into a little bit later, but I don't think I have like such a clear grasp on what it is, but I had a great time watching it. Honestly, I like this movie a lot. <laughs> uh, and I always watch the movie right before recording the podcast. Yeah. I kind of feel like that was a mistake this time because I wish that I had some same time here, to like sit back and ruminate on it a little bit. But um, no, I had a I had a good time watching. It's very weird, uh, and I enjoyed every second Ad- of it. Adam, on what you're saying about like him throwing the or that movie throwing those ideas out, it feels a lot like I don't know when. When Grand Theft Auto games come out, like there's always just like people being like, "Oh, Rockstar! Like, mm. look at them with their satire. They're really like getting into the twisted <laughs> American mind." But it's like, what are they even saying? Like, they're just like, sometimes they're just making jokes and they're like veiled, and you can't even tell if they're punching up or down. Right. Um, and they just like don't have any 
they're, they're not pointed at all. They're just like saying things that are happening in the world now and like referencing important cultural events. And I'm like, what it, What do you feel about this? Like, I, I feel like you're not making a, taking a stance and you don't want to because you're scared and you, you just want to like do like a funny gag. Right. And I felt that a lot at, at certain parts of this movie. I can I can totally see that. I would defend it like in like Grand Theft Auto Five. The Facebook like stand-in is called Life Invader, and that's the whole joke. It's like the, like I remember reading it's somewhere. Good, it's like joke, every, every joke feels unfinished. It's like they wrote the first thing they thought of and like didn't really think of it at all. It's just like the most obvious thing. I think this movie's pretty weird, and it's trying to predict things. And I think it actually gets weirdly a lot of things right. Like considering that it was made in two thousand six where we are culturally now, I think it got a lot of things pretty close, which is bizarre. But I also want to say, we have a piece of unfinished business. Should we do it oh, now? Yes. Should we do it uh, another time? We should do it now. We could do we it another right. time I, when we have more people. <laughs> I would also, I think I kind of want to save it for Okay, 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 okay. Wow, this is getting okay, but this is getting so hyped up. We were supposed to do it last. We're pushing. Okay, for, for 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 the listener, we are referencing the fan fiction that we promised to write at the end of our last mini series, which was called the Whack Pack. We were assembling a team from a bunch of different movies about assembling teams, and at the end, we were going to write a fan fiction and then and and about all those characters. We were supposed to do it last episode. It didn't happen. I forgot to write it. It's ready for this episode, but the whole team's not here. Okay, should we? Should we? Should we just do it? No, um, it's, if you gotta wait for the, everyone to be here, we should wait. I think that's fair to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it'll be on the next re- episode. Trust, trust everyone, and it's gonna be amazing. Uh, should I close my door? It's raining a lot. Do you think it'll be noisy? Uh, are you gonna be really hot? I can't hear it right now. Yeah, I can't. Pretty hear it. hot. I can't hear it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, should have said for Seb to close his window. Uh, pretty noisy rain. Uh, huh. Well, you, I mean, you don't mind rain. Rain's nice. Let's just, let's just keep going. Uh, Uh, can can you, can you summarize this? (laughs) Wait, before you say that, before you do that. I thought it wasn't just the cop guy who looked like a video game character. Dwayne kind of looked like a video game character in this one, too. Mm, mm, mm. That's true. I don't know. That's very true. He looked so clean and polished. <laughs> and he was, like, built, but not, like, super built like he is now. He just kind of seemed yeah. like, like, uh, like, I don't know. Guy. He'd be in, like, an action game. I hear game. you. But I also don't play any video games, so I'm just saying well, that. <laughs> Could it be that this movie is so mired in, like, this 2006 aesthetic, even though some of it is, like, futuristic and weird, that that's kind of the time we associate most with video games, because that's kind of when we're, like, it's, like, a formative time. I don't know. Like, yes. I can see The Rock looking like a Grand Theft Auto protagonist from that time. Yes. You know? And Sean William Scott looking like a PS3 protagonist from, like, 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's it. That's true. You you got it. You got it. <laughs> There's probably a more to it. That's just my theory. <laughs> yeah, that's, that uh, is true. When I when I hmm, when I was an hour into this movie and I was like, oh, okay, it's wrapping up. <laughs> I, I, I was like, can't wait for Seb to summarize this one. And I'm going and I check it. And it's like 
an hour and a half more. I'm like, what could possibly be happening? There's a full movie <laughs> left at that point. <laughs> there is. There is. I think that was right before the uh, the one the musical sequence where that one guy and all the women are like can can dancing. When he's got soul, but um, he's not a soldier. When he yes, that exact moment. That one. Um, <laughs> but you know who that one guy is, right? The actor. Is that Justin Timberlake? Yeah. yeah Justin Timberlake. Okay, I was like, he kind of <laughs> looks like Justin Timberlake, but I don't want to say anything. <laughs> he looks so like a fucked up version of Justin Timberlake. <laughs> that like, was him. Do you like Justin Timberlake as an actor? I think he's really good half sometimes. Time. Half the time, yeah. I think he's trying too much. Yeah. I think he's a really bland lead, but he's actually a pretty good like supporting actor. Like when he tries to do like a in time yeah, I mean, or friends with benefits or whatever, it's like bad. Right. It's like who is this bland guy? But in the social network, poof. Yeah. Inside Lewin Davis, poof. Get out of here! Come on. I think he's great guy. in this too. <laughs> he's great. JT. But I Did also... you listen to him on the Trolls Two soundtrack? <laughs> Not bad. His song with SZA. I haven't gotten to SZA's it yet. SZA's on the Troll Two soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, they both are. A lot of wow. hands. I, I think uh, when he's not trying to be cool, he's actually a good actor. Like when he's playing like a dork, like inside Owen Davis, or when he's like a guy who thinks he's really cool but isn't, like in Social Network. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Uh, okay, okay summarize this. Summary? Summarize Do you want to give me a clock? Like a countdown or a timer? Like. Maybe a countdown, so I don't go forever. How long do you want? Uh, what do you guys think? A minute? A minute and a half? I want a minute and 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Just lay into it. Okay. Just really get, just really get in there. Get into the nuances. Let, let me know when you're ready. Get into the nitty gritty? Yeah. Get into the real gritty. The nitty gritty. Oh, okay. I think I'm right. All right. In five, four. You're on. As we... (laughs) As we mentioned, uh, this movie was made in 2006. It's set in the futuristic year of 2008, when a nuclear attack in Texas has created World War III between America and all their perceived enemies. At the time, a bunch of Middle Eastern countries, uh, North Korea, and uh, the war is running out of fuel, so they need an alternative clean energy, which some of the characters are working on throughout the movie. Meanwhile, an actor named Boxer Santeros with ties to the Republican Party has disappeared uh, and woken up in the desert with no memory of who he is. He's hooked up with a porn star, and they wrote a screenplay about the future. Uh, now a whole bunch of different factions, including the neo-Marxists, who are a revolutionary group, and the government, are trying to find him in order to influence the election. Also, there's a guy called Officer Roland Tavener, who also woke up without memories, and he has a twin brother who is impersonating him in, an, in another attempt to discredit the Republican Party, there's a thousand other subplots. There's a guy in an ice cream truck with a, who's dealing weapons. There's a, a drug oh, yeah. that can make you see the future. Is there uh, ever? There's a traumatized veteran who is narrating this, played by uh, uh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, there's JT. one thousand cast members from SNL. Uh, strange roller skates. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the best I can do. <laughs> okay, with that? six seconds on the clock. Wow, that was really good. That was actually... I, got, I got sidetracked. I, oh, okay. I also forgot there's a NSA-like organization called US Ident that's spying on everybody. And there's a bunch more other stuff, too. Okay, now let me try. Okay. Okay. 
there's these tails, right? And they're in the Southland. And Southland is Los Angeles, but they call themselves Southland now. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, also, cool movie. Can I say what my read, what my half-baked read that I'm still working through because I just finished watching this is? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> all right. You mentioned how the whole thing starts off with these terrorist attacks, these these uh, attacks on uh, Texas or whatever. And this film was made, you know, in the wake of uh, the response to 9-11 by America, the war on terror. 100%. And I think it's about how this, like, fear of terrorism and of outside forces coming in and destroying America will actually cause America to implode and destroy itself, which has, like, actually pretty much come true. I mean, I guess it was already coming true, but has come more and more true. I mean, they start spying on their citizens uh, in, in very grand ways that lead to all this shit in the movie. They, they start this third world war and then to like have to get more fuel and resources for the war, they start to like mess with the ocean or whatever, which ends up like, like the currents of the ocean, which end up messing with like time and space and causes the world to like actually implode. Uh, and probably I mean, a bunch of weird, weird tech billionaires with that. Yeah, exactly. Who like only care about money and don't really care about anything else. I mean, there's like, uh, you know, and probably a ton of other things in the movie that I'm forgetting right now. But that was kind of my general read is like, oh, we're so worried about other people coming in and destroying America. But that actually leads America to friggin destroy themselves. I think the argument of the movie is that America is already destroyed. Right. And this, uh, you know, traumatized veteran played by Justin Timberlake, can already see that. He can what see that they're his... doomed. What was he doing? Like, Why was he on that thing shooting people? I don't know. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. Uh, we're jumping way too far, but at the very end, it's revealed that he and Officer Tavener, Sean William Scott, were friends in Iraq, and there was some sort of... Uh, incident fire. with friendly fire which again ties in exactly with what you're saying adam which i didn't think about but the whole thing is friendly fire right yeah. it's america destroying itself yeah well they're trying to be at war with someone else but anyway something happened i think it only makes sense if he killed justin timberlake right because he's so traumatized about it but uh, justin timberlake is alive and is influencing the story at times most yes. of the time he's not but then a couple times he does he literally yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but I do think it's it's a movie about, like, what have we done? Can we forgive ourselves? Uh, how do we get out of this? And it doesn't really have any answers. Uh, you just got to enjoy the apocalypse, as one of the characters says. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, sorry. Let me <laughs> let me know if I'm if I'm being too nitpicky on this movie because I just there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, what? We gotta clarify some things. It's all good. Yes. What is that? Um, it's a movie made out of nits to pick at. Okay. I, I'm gonna. There's one scene where a character is watching TV, a reality TV show, uh, and what's her name now? Krista now. Krista now is hosting it. And one of the persons talking about a morning before pill. 
That was a great idea. I was sitting there like, why'd you just change the channel? That was a great bit. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how, like, yeah, some of that celebrity stuff ties into the my quote-unquote friendly fire, as you put it, uh, Seb, read of the movie. Because um, that was the stuff that I kind of felt like was doing what Funke uh, mentioned earlier in relating it to Grand Theft Auto, where it's kind of like, here, here's a part of American culture that we're like blowing up to more absurd um, standard or uh, depictions for comedy. But I don't know how that necessarily ties into like the greater idea of of the movie. I thought there was something about like uh, repressed cultural, like cultural repressed sexuality, and that leads to these kind of weird, uh, I don't know, understandings of sex or whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I'm just picking at things that I'm literally trying to figure it out in my head as I'm saying something out loud, and the result uh, is uh, <laughs> incoherent. <laughs> Okay, Which here, I'm sure is great to listen to. <laughs> here's no podcast that's a, that's listeners. A very valid question. We love you. Here's here's my thing. Um, my defense. I think you don't have to uh, defend it. Exactly... I like it. I, I mean, I I'm interested in the movie. I'm just trying to. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, here's my tie into your read. I think it's completely doing what you're saying it's doing, uh, where it's like we're also destroying ourselves culturally, and I don't really agree that like oh like ditzy porn stars or whatever are the problem. Yeah. And I think that has maybe aged a little bit badly. Yeah. Though I think the other, otherwise, the portrayal of Krista now is actually pretty nuanced and interesting. But mm. those scenes, I, I think they're really funny. But I think at the time it was like, oh, reality shows are, are rotting our brains. Yeah. And this is just another part of America that's destroying ourselves and our youth and whatever. But I do think uh, the relationship between Krista and Boxer Santeros is like the only genuine relationship in the movie. Between who and who? Between Krista and and The Rock at Boxer Santeros. Mm -hmm. No one has named The Rock better than Boxer Santeros. Boxer anyway. Santeros, such a good I, character such name. Such a great name. I <laughs> I have a note here that every single name in this movie like punches like they're very <laughs> very well done. I was like every single time they had a new character introduced, I'm like, oh, who is this character? <laughs> yeah, I want to know who this is. Down to the like the really supporting characters, Krista von Luft yeah <laughs> uh kenny chan like even these like obscure characters like you remember their names yeah. yeah it's very um i kind of want to stroll down whack actor avenue for a bit mm -hmm. that's cool i think we should because uh, there's such a huge cast yeah we can go yes. through a bunch of them I, and establish think, the characters but oh, i yeah, but i nice sorry before can we can i just say something before we stroll uh, of course <laughs> i will halt the stroll uh we're just stretching before we stroll but yeah, I, I think um, I agree with you on what they're saying about celebrity. And that was my, yeah, that was what I hope, I wanted to find a better read than that or a read that would like make me enjoy it more because I did think it was just like, yeah, isn't, isn't this like, like imagine if this porn star had this platform, isn't that so rotten? Like America is so rotten or like this uh, uh, movie star who has this like political tie-in or whatever right i don't know all that stuff about celebrities seems so like nihilistic and so like backwards that uh i don't know i mean the the to even like relate it to these like political 
powerhouses that are like actually corrupting America from the inside out. Uh, I don't know, it's so boring. Yeah. Here, okay. Here's my my light defense. Uh, the portrayal of the porn director, uh, Christy, can't remember her name. The one who no one rocks the cock like Christy. I can't remember her name. And they keep repeating that. Um, but she's shown to be like an astute political mind who is playing kind of this elaborate game of chess with all these like celebrities and stuff. I do think it's a boring comment to make like celebrities have too much power and whatever. Um, but I do think the portrayal of the porn stars and I guess this is a separate point, but women in general in the movie is not monolithic. There's so many different women and there's mm-hmm. even like diversity within the porn stars of like how we feel about those characters. And I, I don't think it's undercutting a lot of the stuff Krista is saying, like what she says at the beginning about how American morality was created by nerds who don't want us to have sex. I think the movie's with her at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just Yeah, I was on board with what sucks. she was saying there. I was like, yeah, this this is true. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Because mm. like Fortunio's laughing at her, but Fortunio's also one of the villains. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah I do I do remember be, watching that part and being like oh yeah facts but like I don't know how it was framed like if that was framed as a stupid thing to say or not I I don't think that was clear yeah. but Krista also co-wrote the screenplay that predicts the future ah that is true <laughs> which is shown to be correct yes huh. and I I do think the dance with her and Boxer at the end is quite beautiful but I I'm breaking my own rule right so maybe it's at all what we're talking about <laughs> well then it might well then you know in that way it could be kind of uh, reaching the audience at a point where it's like the film assumes that the audience would have uh, the thought that like this celebrity culture is destroying America, but actually it's like subverting that and saying these are the people who actually are prescient and do have an understanding yeah. of like the way that American culture is going and where it could lead. Yeah, they also kind of serve as like a distraction, too, mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, the Baron is a guy who I wasn't even that focused on until <laughs> like the last, last part of the movie where I was like, oh, oh, this guy was kind of pulling a lot of the strings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the celebrities do kind of serve as like that. And it could fall into your reading as well. of just like celebrities being a distraction to the right. other forces that are actually like doing right. causing harm and like actually corrupting things. Um so maybe that could yeah, that's true. And that's I, a good point. I also think there's kind of a nice thing of like the way the movie probes into their humanity, even though they're being used as pawns everywhere else. Like, I do think it's legitimately sad when it's like you find out Krista was working with the neo-Marxist to trick Boxer, but you can tell she actually still has feelings for him. A lot of this is inferral. A lot of it's off screen. But when they leave each other at the mansion, you can tell they do care about each other and then they have their when they reunite on the Mega Zeppelin. We should explain what this movie is and what's going on. <laughs> do you want to take a walk down? Let's take, let's, we're going to take a stroll. Let's take a stroll. Talk about each character? Yeah. Um, Sorry to cut you off, you... Funke, earlier when you were trying to take a stroll. Oh, yeah, could I? Oh, yes, sir, Seb? Oh, no, I just want to, like, find a list of, like, the entire cast and then maybe, like, go through them real quick. <laughs> it's not on IMDb. Okay, so... there's an abridged version on Wikipedia that maybe we could use. I'm going with the Google where they have their photos too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where do you want to start? I want to talk about 
Oh yes. Oh sorry. Same. I thought I thought you wanted to say something, but then I cut you off from saying it. Okay. Oh John. <laughs> we're we're wild today. <laughs> we're going <John>. whack. <laughs> Are we starting uh, with John Lovitz? Yes. Okay. I. <laughs> we don't have to talk about his character yet. I, we can describe. No, the character. go ahead. But John Lovitz, I watched the Tales from the Crypt episode with him, like last week. It was so weird. <laughs> I just I got recommended it on YouTube, and all the subtitles were in like a different language, but it was in English. And uh, and he killed a guy. He like strangled a <laughs> guy uh, for for getting his role in uh, Shakespeare play. So just a fun fact for the audience. Uh, he's been out there. But, <laughs> he's been acting. But I think that that leads to uh, the conclusion, which is my conclusion, that John Lovitz is the worst casting choice in the film. It's not the worst performance, but using him in that role, I think, is the worst idea in the movie. Why? Mm. Because when he was on SNL, he does lots of comedic roles. Even in Tales from the Crypt, it sounds like it's a comedic episode. Mm-hmm. Um almost exclusively does comedy when i see him i laugh i don't know if everyone does but i think most people do when i watched it with luke my roommate friend of the show friend of the festival yeah uh he'll be on one day the festival he'll be on one day uh he laughed as soon as he saw him um and then the character is in the most disturbing scene in the movie and is like this like villain that's supposed to be scary and it's it's very strange yeah but i would say that is like, like I, I was still genuinely shocked when he does shoot uh, those two people. And I, I don't know. I didn't feel like, oh, this guy's a comedic actor. So I don't believe the tension in this scene. <laughs> if anything, it made me, it made the shock of it even more heightened. Sure. I, uh, yeah, so when, I, I when I saw him in the car, I was like, oh my God, what? That's what I got here. But then I realized nothing funny was happening. This is actually one of the most uncomfortable parts of the movie with him. Yeah. Um, well, it was, yeah, definitely a weird casting choice, though. Well, um, But I also kept looking. Like, I saw the Dion Element. This guy was in paid in full. I was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> who's, who's that? Who, who does he play? Um, He plays... This is Wood Harris, and he plays Dion Element. Oh, I love Wood who, Harris, yeah. Yes. Uh, he dies pretty early. Yeah, we should, I think, describe that scene. I'm trying to find uh, John Lovitz's character's name. Uh, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I can. I think I can find it. I think we should just describe, like, hopefully, I think by talking about each of the cast members and the characters, we can... Hopefully, paint a picture of the whole movie. Uh, yes. I hope so, uh, but probably <laughs> we not. Could, we could I think we're, we might run out of paint. I think this is a really hard one to start with, <laughs> but, but we can't. Uh, I think with a, how scattered and uh, all over the place we are, like the more scattered and all over the place we are with this episode, the better picture of the movie we will paint because that's right, how it the, feels. The experience of the watching exactly. His exactly. name is. We're not here. His name is we're Bart. Not, <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're not, not here, here to make sense of the movie. We're here to, we are to not capture here. the feeling. We are not here yes. at all. We're not here. Um, uh, his name is Bart Bookman. Okay. Great John name. Bart John Bookman. Lovitz. <laughs> John Lovitz plays Bart Bookman, who is a violent 
cop who uh, the main characters encounter. The main characters uh, are at least Sean William Scott as Rowan Tavener, or possibly Ronald Tavener, his mm. twin brother slash... Okay, sorry. He... Can I just real, really quick? Sean William Scott opens the movie, doesn't have much memory, it seems, and he's told by the neo-Marxist that he has to pretend to be his twin brother, who is a racist cop. Are those um, the neo-Marxists? Yes. Okay. Uh, pretty sure. In order to uh, do this video that will compromise Boxer Santeros, The Rock, mm-hmm. uh, in order to sway the election. So he goes to do this. He's, his understanding is he's supposed to fake murder these two characters who are performance artists, one of whom is Wood Harris, the other is Amy Poehler, and um, that there will be squibs on them that'll make it seem like they died in this video. But they run into this cop, Bart Bookman, who comes in and shoots the people for real, which we think is because he's just crazy and violent. But it turns out he's working with another part of the neo-Marxists in order to uh, compromise the election even more by having I don't know why having them all on video during an actual murder oh no wait he and Sherry O'Terry's character are trying to they're dating uh, get yes they're they're dating (laughs) quote unquote Um, and they're trying to get paid to destroy the video and sway the election the other way rather than expose the video I think yeah, but then why? But then why uh, do this why whole thing in the do? first place? If she's like setting yeah. up, she's setting up one thing so that she can cross it with another thing. It feels like the first thing could just satisfy what she wanted, anyways. Like or just never do the, the first murder. thing. Yeah, but she is trying to kill all the neo Marxists as well because I think she's on the other team, right? Like, she kills everyone who's involved with the scheme. Right. She's in cahoots with the Republicans. And she's trying to sway the election. She never talks them. to them, though. She but never she's talks like to the Republicans. She's just trying to get paid. Yeah. It's very confusing. Well, aren't, we all, just trying to get, aren't we all just trying to get paid? <laughs> I just don't get it. She wants money. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I think she wants money independent of the movement, right? The movement isn't motivated by money. They want, that's it. The movement wants to go. change his vote. We got right. it. That's the movement wants to change his vote real. on Proposition sixty nine, uh, a number which means only <laughs> one thing to Krista now, as the movie says. And, uh, but <laughs> she just wants money. And can you say what Proposition sixty nine is? Uh, I think it's approval of the power, the new power source, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think it's approval of the power source. Yeah, it's it is the I think signing off on flu. Fluid karma? Yeah, yeah. Karma? Which is a new clean energy source that is also bad. And doesn't make sense. <laughs> and it is refused, people refuse to explain it. See, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> Listeners, if you came to this episode hoping you would get a better understanding of this movie. Well, we're working through it. This, this should be titled Southland Falls Explained. <laughs> um, okay, I actually want to talk a bit about um, the media in this movie and like how the news was uh, was told. It was very interesting. Are we abandoning the character thing? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, no, sorry, we just, can. There's like ten more characters. <laughs> I'm just sorry. There's like I mean, thirty just, more characters. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, but no. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, you Funky, you're the one who has just, to leave at some point, so you should say the things yeah, you got to yeah. say. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I, I liked how people were pressing these like leaders and stuff uh, so hard, but it didn't seem like it mattered at all. Like that, I think when you when you guys were, at the beginning were talking about how it parallels some of the things that are actually happening today, I'm like, yes, like that. I think this would have seemed ridiculous in 2006, but I'm just like, oh yeah, this is like how it goes since like end of 2016 to now. Like I, you, you still see like officials like denying the truth in a way or like evading yeah. it in a way that is so obvious and like kind of gross. Um, but in, in this movie, like they do that a bunch and people are like, okay, so you have this new thing. And like, you see the whole ad of like the cars, um, <laughs> fucking, um, and you're like, okay, how does that. it work? No problem. <laughs> They're like, how does it work? And the guy's like, and it works. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. I do think it's a lot good. of that was happening in the Bush era, but I do think it's reached a new extreme now where it's like, mm -hmm. but I do think a lot of what's in the movie was also reflecting the time when it was made, where there were True. these officials going, oh, no, we're, we found some weapons in Iraq. Can we see them? Later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It did feel like they're the car. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I mean, yeah. that, was, that was one thing I was thinking about with, um, like, even the the whole plot in like the first hour of the movie that we were just describing, where it's like, yeah, they are staging this thing so that they can reveal this like in, uh, incriminating footage that would ruin the Republicans' chances and stuff. You know, I just summed up what you guys said much better. But I, I was uh, thinking it's like it's kind of quaint in 2020 because I just feel like if anything came out, like if any of that footage came out, that's not going to sway the the race. Yeah. What's that going to do? Yeah, like, you know, not to get into the like darkest part, but I think like this movie almost naively believes that a violent police shooting would make a difference in, in an election, right? Yeah, no, absolutely and now, not. Now we see a video like that all the time. Uh, and, and obviously... It doesn't really change anything. Yeah, yeah it did. It does cause uproar. But I mean, like, we saw a thousand before this current round of protests. No round of protests before. And, yeah. You know. We saw plenty before 2016 and Trump still got elected. This doesn't mean anything. And I, I think obviously that... I think it's interesting that that was happening, obviously, in 2006. But I don't think it was much in popular media certainly in movies to show that kind of scene and the it isn't explicitly racially motivated and there's all these sort of misunderstandings and people like working uh you know with secret plans but it's still quite shocking and it does play like a you know pretty shocking condemnation scene is freaky yeah it is um which character do you want to hit up next uh, I think you should choose the most random one that you want. <laughs> In the style of the film. I would like to talk about The Rock. Okay. Boxer. I will say his best performance I've seen him in. I usually don't there. see him. Yeah, I 100%. don't see him like acting, acting. Or whenever I see him acting, I'm like, oh, God, I don't even want to be here. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Um, but yeah, he really, he goes in hard and he has such a good face that that's like, hold on. What did you just tell me? <laughs> and he like holds that, like it freezes in that for like so long. And he has to pull that out a lot of times in this movie. Also, I don't know if this was explained, but his character has a quirk where he'll like, does do this. so much. Yeah. He does it all the time. <laughs> he'll be like, 
like Can you an explain evil what genius you're doing? tapping all of his i wrote it down actually <laughs> cradling two hands together <laughs> and tapping the tips against each other you if you try it at home i think you'll do it it's kind of like a mr uh, burns a little bit but like more nervous yeah it's like, like a nervous ooh. tapping yeah but things are going badly and he just pulls it out and he starts doing it and I can't take the scene seriously. Like, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. It's like he made one choice for the character. Like one of the character's nervous. <laughs> we talked about uh, The Rock extensively on the Fast Five episode and how it kind of feels like he's doing the same thing in every single movie. I will certainly say he's not doing the same thing in this movie and I appreciate that. I can't tell if I like it. I think I... I like it half the time. Yeah, I like it. I do like it. It's definitely interesting. The finger thing is like, I don't know. It's like he did make one character quirk decision and then totally wrote <laughs> it, it into the ground. Sense. And the first couple of times I'm like, okay, that's kind of silly and funny. And it does match the tone of the movie. But at a certain point, it's like anytime it's supposed to be genuinely tense, uh, I can't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not into it. It's doing like a Hanna Barbera thing. Like it's yeah, like something like Yogi Bear would do or something. Yeah, it's like it's supposed to but be other... accompanied with uh, uh, sound effects that are like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's weird. It's weird. There's a scene where he's doing his thing, and a woman's like, "I'm going to kill myself right now." And that's how he reacts. Yeah, and he's like, "That's how he reacts to the police shooting too." <laughs> yeah. that's like the first time he does it yeah yeah i guess that was the first time he did it uh but that's supposed to be a scary moment like that is supposed to be genuinely shocking and mm-hmm. it is recalling police violence which is a very serious topic and for him to make like the stupidest character corpse <laughs> decision it's like i don't i don't know it's <laughs> it's so frustrating. I thought I honestly thought it was gonna be something that they mentioned in the plot, like he does. This <laughs> right? Can I can I sidebar real quick that uh, Luke, roommate, friend of the podcast, friend of the festival, co-founder of the festival, when we'll we were on, watching it, will be on the, the podcast. Will be on the future. Will be on. Will be on. Will be on. Will be on. He reacted pretty strongly to the scene with uh, the rocket, Sean William Scott, in the car. Uh, even before the racial slurs and stuff, because I think it really seems like the only scene where, like, two human beings are talking to each other Mm. in, like, a Mm. traditional way. And everything else, it's like, people aren't really even responding to what the other person is saying. Like, everyone's just kind of saying weird stuff a lot of the time. But in in that scene, I think they have a really amazing chemistry, and they did a bunch of movies together, at least a couple. They did, like, the rundown and stuff. Um, But I think it's it's kind of interesting in that scene. It's like one of the few scenes he seems like a real person. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that they chose those those two those two characters to be in that scene because I mean they're so different and don't really seem to care about each other's motivations at all. Really, like um, I forget the cop's name. Officer Roland Tavener, or Roland... possibly Officer Ronald Tavener. They call yeah. him that a couple times. <laughs> and then they're like, "We didn't call you Ronald." <laughs> I think Getting, Ronald get, is like the second, like the brother. I don't know. I guess so. It's just weird to gaslight when you're already telling a confusing story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, R- Roland is in the car and he doesn't want to be talking to this guy. He, it doesn't seem like he wants to be in that situation at all. Mm. He's being fed this info. And I also didn't even understand. I didn't quite understand what they were trying to do with all this footage first. I was just like, what is going on here? Like they're telling this guy to say the N word. I'm like, what is happening? But I mean, now that you've explained the plot a bit more, I'm, I understand what their objective was, but it's still in the moment. I was like, this feels very odd. And yeah. Into the police brutality I, scene after, which is very awkward. I understand what they're trying to do, but I still like on a, on a, their plan level, I guess. I don't know why, uh, like the rocks character just being associated with this racist cop is going to like sway the yes. election i mean and also like he's already a republican notoriously racist yeah really i think even now <laughs> wait i'm gonna even- i gotta wait hold on i just don't want to let this one get out i might be saying some <laughs> controversial stuff here <laughs> yeah yeah cut that out cut that out label this hot take do you think the neo-Marxists ex- expect Boxer to play along with the racist stuff that Tavener is saying? Yeah. That- or because he pushes back against it. I don't think the video would make him look bad. Like he's clearly yeah. uncomfortable. And when he, when the guy gets shot, he's sitting there like this. I think like the, re- I mean, that, the, that- the, the interesting character thing, I suppose is that like the rock is surprised by this racism from the cop. And then is also surprised by the cop shooting these two people. Like he, he's writing a movie that like, I suppose is like about, cause he's, he's following them to like get research for his movie. Right. Yeah. He's making something that's going to be like about police. And then I suppose the idea is like, or is partly about police, and I suppose the idea is like he's surprised at their the extent of right. their uh, terribleness. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know why that would like sway the election. <laughs> I don't know what I that think, would have to do about that. It's an interesting I character think, thing, I suppose, that he is like surprised, but I don't know what that has to do with anything greater. Like now, maybe it'd be debatable, but I think, well, even now, I think if there was a video of like, guess like the son-in-law of like a senator or a presidential candidate in the room of like a police shooting of like a murder yeah you know that would i think affect the election at least like if it happened on like election day you know like anthony weiner coming out or the you know the fbi guy going oh we're looking into hillary's emails or whatever on the week of the election was enough to throw it a little bit right yeah so like to have a video of He's just so tangentially connected to the politician. He's like married to her daughter. Like, I I guess that's that's enough of a connection. I don't know. Yeah. And I guess he's a big supporter. They say he's a Republican. But you you, you also never see him as a big Republican ever. But I think that's because he has no memory. Yeah, but I mean, still in the movie, like you never see him like pushing for that. He's just confused the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should clarify on a story level. He wanders out of the desert uh, and has no memory. I guess he was a Republican before. It sounds like we're making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> As we go. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing that happens at the end. Turns out he was cloned. No. No. What? He wasn't cloned. He wasn't cloned. What? Well, I guess he was kind Wait, of cloned, but... Didn't, didn't they make another film? <laughs> he, 
Okay, okay, here's what happened. <laughs> oh, right, 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 no, we sent it to a wormhole and then, like, went back before. It wasn't cloned. It was, like, a just different yes. timeline. And that was, like, not our... di- Same timeline, he was just sent back and made, you know, in the past. Whatever, yeah. Was that an accident? Back in the past. Or was that a plan? For him to go back in time? Yeah, that was an accident, right? <laughs> I know, okay, I'm so I know they meant... this cake, I don't, I don't got an <laughs> they, answer. Sorry. They meant for the rock to be kidnapped and driven somewhere. I don't know if it was to a wormhole that they wanted him. I'm pretty sure that was a surprise. Yeah. They, like... What the fuck? <laughs> uh... Okay, yeah, I don't know. But he, he he traveled in time one way or another, and it created a double version of him, leading to the only, I would say, satisfying plot reveal in the movie, where they introduce that. It's very clear. They show the second rock, and he's dead. And then a few minutes later, you figure out that, oh, the, the Sean William Scott brothers aren't brothers. They're copies, because when you go through time, you're duplicated. Yeah. To me, that was, that- like, satisfying, because it's like they set something up, and then it pays off. And yeah, it's like the only cool. time in the movie that they do that. It was satisfying, but it was also like mixed in this whole bowl of like, what the hell are you talking about too? Like <laughs> I was trying to like catch up to what the, the rock situation was, but then I, I immediately became more interested in the twin situation. Yeah. But also I was just like that, that being the one concrete thing that they kind of like follow through on in a clear way. And it's, there's like a huge plot point later on. I just thought of all the other things that are just so random and sporadic. And I was like, I kind of, I kind of felt that was off putting a bit. Cause I was like, it was too all over the place that this is like satisfying. They should have committed to just being chaotic. Yeah. I mean, I, one or the other, but I was just like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, should I even take this satisfaction? Or are they going to like pull this under the rug for me too? I don't know. I get that. I will say, I think the second time I watched it yesterday, it was a much more coherent movie than the first time I watched it. I could see that there actually is a story. Uh, I, I know actually... I'm having trouble with some of the details, but I still think. Hey, can I say something uh, real I, quick? I knew a lot more. Yes. About, about stories? <laughs> yeah. Just in general. Well, one thing I was kind of realizing recently for me is like, I get confused uh, by plot very easily. Uh, <laughs> like even in pretty like straightforward things. And I realized that when I talk, think about movies, I always like latch on way more to like theme and like tone and feeling than actual yeah. like story. And usually I, I'm very bad at like uh, just like breaking down a, a, a plot and a story as evidenced by I can never summarize anything. Um, but I feel like can whenever I, I watch something, I'm way more in tune with that. Can I can I argue a small thing about that? Well, I mean, I'm not saying... I'm talking about me personally. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, like most people, are do get attached to the story, but not the plot. Because I think those are two well, slightly yeah. different things. Like, the stories, like the characters, and like, like, for example, How to Train Your Dragon, first thing I thought of. That's a movie about, uh, you know, a guy and a pet, basically, but also about understanding the people that your, like, culture demonizes, right? Everyone's saying you're at war with the dragons, but the dragons turn out to be good. I think you understand that on an emotional level watching the movie because it's, like, a well-told story. 
and you might not know the plot of like who he's related to and you don't remember how exactly he found the dragon or whatever but you know like the story like the emotional thing and i don't think this movie has much of a story it has so much plot yeah but there's nothing to ground you there's no like real dynamics you know yeah there's nothing Mm -hmm. where you can go like oh this guy is this guy's teacher or whatever and he reminds me of my teachers and how i feel about Mm -hmm. them yeah but everyone has these weird relationships and but story is also like world and characters and all that stuff and i think that that exists a lot in in this movie and that's the stuff that i latched Mm -hmm. on to more than like I suppose what the plot is like I latch on yeah, to this sure. like weird futuristic like uh prediction future and all these different weird characters and different little threads and I can't like really connect every dot um but it but in talking about story as like the entire world of a film mm-hmm. that stuff I I I love about this movie well, can I say something else super quick? I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. Go, go, go. But the movie, this movie reminds me of, Adam, I hope you like this, is The Matrix Reloaded. Because <laughs> I think this movie... The best movie. I don't ever. like a, a movie where I think, like, the filmmaking is really good, but there isn't really, like, anything behind it. Which I would argue, and maybe it's controversial, something like Star Wars The Force Awakens. Now, it feels mm-hmm. really good to be watching it, but there's not really anything at the core of that movie, I would argue. Yeah. But something like The Matrix Reloaded or this is the, the total extreme on, on the other end. Yeah. Where the story is badly told and that they don't care if you can follow it or not. But it is there. And they know it. Yeah. You know, and if you really look yeah. for it, you can find it. They just don't care about, like, telling it to you well. Like, yeah. that's you the difference that between... You hit so hard. That's very true. But that's the difference between the second Matrix and the first Matrix. First Matrix has a really dense story, but it also tells it to you really well and yeah. really clearly. It's very straightforward. Uh, yeah. And then the other, the Reloaded and Revolutions, it's trusting that like you're so invested in the world that you'll be like willing to do the work to dissect and to find all those threads. But most people aren't, and that's fine. Like I totally understand mm-hmm. why most people would reject a movie like Matrix Reloaded or, or reject a movie like this, where it's like, I don't know what the simple through line of the movie is, so I'm not willing to do the work to like... I don't think there is one. <laughs> they just didn't put one in. Well, there's definitely a through line in Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, but in... in They're South- trying to get to the architect. Okay. Very <laughs> simple, Seb. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what I watched. When- oh, sorry, Funke. I was just on that. I think it's off-putting when uh, a movie feels feels like it doesn't care about you keeping up with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's antagonistic. I, I, yeah, Definitely. it's just like, what? Why am I sitting here, dude? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to watch it. It's, it's, this one, I was. There's a couple scenes where I'm like, okay, let's understand. Like, we're in a room for a while. I think I'm gonna like get a better grasp of this story, but then it kept speeding up, and I. I don't know. In that moment, I was like, okay, maybe this movie isn't for me, and I definitely need to rewatch it to figure that out. But I do think I would have enjoyed it better as a like a mini series mm-hmm. that cared a bit more about the viewer uh, <laughs> and <laughs> explaining kind of its its stuff that it was so it's more digestible the first watch. And I think there's a version of this movie that that's possible, and I think I would like it more because the world is very fun. I I like a lot of the choices they make. And I kind of like this reality that is 
kind of weird and it's 2008 but they're talking about <laughs> it like it's like this crazy time and i'm like 2008 bro um very very enjoy the the time period and, and all the sci-fi around it i think you know, that that is like 100 percent valid and i i just like i love a movie where it seems like the filmmaker, I said this already off the top, but like where the filmmaker has a thousand ideas and yeah. somehow they're given the chance to just throw everything at the screen because the people who are producing the movie or funding the movie were like, well, they did it before. Like Matrix Reloaded is a perfect <laughs> example of that as well. It's the same <laughs> yeah. thing as uh, Richard Kelly for this film. Uh, the Wachowskis, I mean, obviously Matrix was their second movie, but they had a massive success that was like unprecedented that no one could have expected. And that was so outside of like the realm of anything else that was popular at the time. So producers are like, well, we have to just let them do whatever they want because we didn't understand the first one. We don't understand this one. There'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's making money. Yeah. And that's just like my favorite phenomenon in filmmaking where it's like somehow <laughs> the filmmaker was given the chance to put everything out there. They were totally unrestrained and they made something that was totally off the wall. Um, but it's like dripping with ideas, dripping with so many ideas every second. Do you know what this I, movie uh, reminds me of? What? This movie reminds me of like when you pick up like a big fantasy book or something and you open it and there's like a map and a bunch of charts and you're like, oh, like, I, haven't even, <laughs> I haven't even started the story yet. Or like when a movie opens that there's a huge block of text that's telling you yes. it's like, yeah. that's bad storytelling. <laughs> and, and most of the time, like I don't, care for that kind of thing but i just like the aesthetic and the cast and the feel of this movie so much that i'm willing to like and i do think what it's trying to say is interesting and sometimes with these movies i, I don't like valerian is also like this where it's like impossibly dense but i also think it's stupid is that um, is rihanna in that Rihanna's yeah in that. we should do valerian <laughs> i'm down to watch that actually oh my god <laughs> what have i done um uh, on adam what you're saying about like people giving a director someone a bunch of money after making creative success uh they did that with like you know the guy who made metal gear solid kojima oh yeah yeah Yeah. they that's exactly that just made me think of that my horrible video game brain uh (laughs) immediately clicked to that but he cut ties with konami and went to kojima productions and death stranding was his game that like people were just like oh you've done weird stuff in the past like here's so much money um, but like watching the critical reception for that was interesting because there are a lot of like people who are like kind of just like fanboys and like super super into it. But then there's people like, why did this guy get so much money for this? Like, right. you should not have gotten this. Like, I feel like I don't know. I've, I it I very rarely thought about like, is this even a good choice to like just for people to be doubling down on something that was made on like two bucks or whatever? Like, and just giving them like a billion dollars and be like, go ahead, just do it again. Right. Like, I feel like that messes up the creative process a bit. Like, it feels it feels weird. That's a thing like with uh, with prequel era George Lucas, too, right? It's like no one would tell him no. He had all this money. And a lot of the time, it's like a disaster. But I don't... I'm kind of interested in that. Like, rather than, you know, the corporate super safe version of, like, these big franchises or these big blockbusters, I do like when somebody weird gets a whole bunch of money to do whatever they want, uh... A lot of the time it's a disaster, but it's at least like, I think more interesting than a lot of these like super sanitized uh, cookie cutter movies. 
I just think that's the closest you see you get to seeing like DIY filmmaking on a multi-million dollar uh, level where it's like it gets to that core of just this is an idea that I'm passionate about and it's totally unfiltered and we're just going to like put it out there and somehow they're given millions and millions of dollars to do that. And obviously it's not DIY in the traditional sense of like you're scraping together to make that happen. But just in the sense of like, yeah, this is a, this is an idea that just is from the brain and we're just going to put it out there with the resources that we have. Uh, and it's not tied up in like corporate interests in the same way as something like the Star Wars uh, sequels. the mm-hmm. Or, you know, I don't... Here, let me try to make a video game um, version since you messaged uh, Death Stranding. <laughs> uh, maybe something like uh, freaking um, uh, Halo 5. Halo! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People love Halo right now. Is there... Wait, have they made a Halo recently? Uh, it's coming out. Halo really? Infinite. Oh, shit. Sick. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I... I hear what you guys are saying about that. I guess it makes sense. I just don't like the idea of someone who probably just, like, has not even... Doesn't even care about the movie and being like... Oh boy, it made so much money. Just give this guy a lot more and it'll make more <laughs> money. Like I, that attitude, I'm like, ugh. But I, I guess the product at the end is nice. And I only like that more than, like, as an idea, you know, a, a, hypothetically as a director in the future, which, mm-hmm. you know, probably won't happen. But why won't it happen? We want the set <laughs> flick! <laughs> but I'd rather have that than someone who's micromanaging because they're so protective of, like, True. you know, whatever it is. Uh, what is they don't the want to make, take any risks. Huh? What is the third reality of that? Because I feel like I'm thinking of it and I'm like... Well, I'm sure there's something in between. Like, Well, I guess the other reality would be the film does still have a... You know, you make a film that's a massive success and makes a lot of money, but you're still not entrusted to really uh, like make your own creative, wild creative vision after that. Well, I think there there are, you know, smart studio heads and smart executives and producers and stuff who you know would give good feedback that wouldn't let someone hypothetically go completely off the rails but still this is an ex- well movie. this is an example where i think like okay first off i want to preface this by saying we don't like the man at uh Insom- <laughs> at insomniac and at of is course. it whack and uh you know studio heads are always i know you're watching are always me. stupid they suck <laughs> i'm gonna cut that out <laughs> Funky gave the finger to a audio medium. And they're always wrong. Anyone who interrupts the creative vision is wrong. But I will say this film is kind of an example of like, I think there's a lot of really good ideas in it. And I even like the output. I think that it's a really interesting film. But I think if it was streamlined, I think that if like there was someone who was giving it more overseeing direction and didn't just let him completely run wild. And I, I think it probably yeah. would have been better because there's a lot of really good ideas in there that just needed some direction, if even though some... I do love the film. Count- counterpoint, if... what if the movie makes a ton of sense and is super accessible with that extra half hour? That's it, yeah. No. <laughs> I-, I doubt it, but... <laughs> I, I guess don't, I think, they would, I think but... we would get 30 more plot lines. 
yeah, <laughs> just more characters. I just don't. Well, well, at the end, there's a shot of Justin Timberlake and Janine Garofalo, who's like a like popular comedian and actor, is like dancing, and I think she had a whole storyline that was cut out. I'm assuming. Oh, God. Well, because she's like pretty me- famous, and she's in like one shot. Did you mention this already, or maybe I just heard this before that? There was like a bunch of comic books that he. Oh yeah, you mentioned this at the start, right? Yeah, I don't there know were if they like ever com- got released. But he had made like a bunch uh, of different comic books that like uh, fleshed out the entire story, right? And yeah, some of them are in the movie. Uh, at the very beginning, like at the beginning in that really long exposition dump of like about Boxer and the wars, they show these comic panels that I assume are from those comics. And are confusing uh, and distracting, in my opinion. Folks, I am half an hour later than I thought I was going to be. <laughs> but I was sucked into the Southland lore. Oh, he did write them. <laughs> okay, Funky, get um, out of here. What's your wax score? My wax score? Five. Yeah, it's got to be a five. Woo! <laughs> I can't. I, no explanation needed. Watch the movie. <laughs> if you have not watched the movie, watch it. Um, send us your fan theories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, five K. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> well, Seb. Uh, and there were two. <laughs> Hannah bowed out. Nara bowed <laughs> out before even starting. Funke bowed out. You'll leave me with ten yeah. minutes left. It'll just be me at the end. Yeah, that's. We should do that. That'd be funny. Okay, just quickly. Yeah. Uh, there were supposed to be six graphic novels. Okay. He narrowed it down to three. Okay. Um, then he said that he wrote the first three, and um, the movie is part four, five, and six, <laughs> which, which is why, which is very George Lucas of him, and which is why in the movie there's chapter titles that start at four. Yeah, I was which, wondering that. Why did it start at four? <laughs> which Luke mentioned that too. He's like, at, at like five, he's like, were there chapter titles before? I'm like, I think there was one. He's yeah, like, there why was. Why are we four. at five? Yeah. <laughs> and that's very um, Matrix Reloaded of them, of uh, of a hundred percent. Because it's the same idea where it's like you trust so much that the audience is going to like do all that work going into the movie. Uh, that they're going to watch the Animatrix, that they're going to read the accompanying comics, that they're going to play, play the, the video, video game. game. Like they're going to do all this stuff so that when they get to the movie, it's not going to be confusing. They're going to have all this frame of reference. Uh, which I feel like it's probably still confusing. Like you've read the comics, right? Yeah. There's some you things that get. The video game? Nah, I haven't played the video game. There are some things that get clarified. The video game is, like, mostly about Niobe. Yeah, and, like, the Animatrix, the only thing that, like, directly ties in is Kid, right? There's one minor character who shows uh, up out of nowhere. Well, the one that's about... I mean, it doesn't really tie into Matrix Reloaded, but, like, the the one that's about how, like, the robots took over. The final fight of the Yeah, but I mean, like, that's not any... Yeah, it doesn't add That's not in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, uh, yeah, I think that was an interesting idea. Uh, and with the Matrix, I could maybe see why they would think it could work since the Matrix was such a phenomenon. So popular. Yeah. Uh, but obviously it's still asking a lot and most people probably didn't even really realize that they were supposed to do homework before <laughs> they watched the movie. But 
I don't know why Richard Kelly would assume that anyone would come into this with like any kind of frame of reference. I mean, Donnie Darko yeah. was a success, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think Hollywood is probably pretty good at blowing up someone's head. You know, yeah, that they think they are God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I respect him a lot. I want to see. I've actually never seen Donnie Darko, and more than that, I want to see the box. I really want to see the box. David Sims says is incredible yeah yeah i'm very curious it's about a box right yeah it's about some box (laughs) the premise is actually kind of cool yeah there's a box okay do you know the premise yeah there's a box i've said the premise like four (laughs) times okay (laughs) you have to press a button and then the box is a not a box anymore you press the idea is you press a button and <laughs> that's what and, I said. All I knew about the film was that it was called the box and there was a should button. Should I not tell you? No, tell me. I just that was how I put it together that you press a button and the box wasn't a box anymore. Oh, so you all you knew was that there was a box and you came up with the button. No, I knew there was a button. I knew there was a button <laughs> and I knew there was called the okay. box. That's why I said that. <laughs> Great. Okay. But yeah, so, so what's the premise? The idea is that you get delivered the box and you can press the button and you get a million dollars, but a stranger dies. Uh, and it's like the ethical question. I don't know how that can sustain a whole movie, but it sounds like, like a Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah, it's a great premise. And that was a huge failure as well, right? His career is pretty Critically much, as a director, is pretty much uh, tanked now. Yeah. But I think there's been a reappreciation of this. Maybe the it's starting to get rolling on the box. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, I feel like Donnie Darko is the one that's had a critical reevaluation the other way. I hear a lot of people say that they rewatched it and feel like it's full and of it, shit it's and it's just a teen uh, angst kind of thing. I like Donnie Darko, but I also haven't seen it since I was in high school. Yeah, but I also kind of think there was sort of like a backlash of like retroactively going like, Oh, this guy is dumb after Southland Tales in the box. Right, so maybe that one's And there was nothing to him the whole yeah. time. But I think there is. And that also happened to the Wachowskis. Like I remember yeah. at least on like the edgy part of the internet I was on in high school, it was like uh I remember reading this article. It was like a cracked article. It was about how shitty they are. And it was like from the minds of Speed Racer and Ninja Assassin. And it was like, oh, I guess the major Yeah, from the minds of like... literally the best movie of all time and Ninja <laughs> Assassin. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing to say about Ninja Assassin. <laughs> but it was like, uh, the idea was like, oh, they were always bad. The Matrix was a fluke. Uh, yeah. yeah that's but then they had a third wave of like, now there's a big reappreciation for them. Yeah. So. And now knows? they get to make Matrix 4. One of them does. Yeah. <laughs> One of them does. Well, I mean, they both could have made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not... uh, this is a this is a different vibe now. Yeah. So more relaxed. We're just chilling. Really hitting home the point that no one is listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how long have we been going? Uh, like I'm going to bed. An hour fifteen. Yeah. Should we go through more characters? Should we do more stuff? Should yeah, we end it? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I said a lot of my big things. 
I feel like we like tried to go through the characters and then it was really hard Derailed really quick. to talk about the movie. So we just uh, did more of a uh, uh, an overall conversation about uh, what the movie's going for and if we like that. Yeah. I feel like we hit the climax. Maybe we... That's fine. We, we, we send it out. Do a little, do a little denouement. Do the wax scores. <laughs> Okay, who who's the wackiest performance? Uh, I thought the two performance I've... artists were kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy's on the wire. What What's the works? who's the the old guy who it was in the Princess Bride? Oh, Wallace Shawn. Yeah, he was kind of weird. Yeah, everyone's pretty weird. And the woman he was always with. What's her name? Uh, like his mother, or the one with the high voice, or Bei Ling. Bei Ling. It's always with Bei Ling, the one who's. Wait, who's the mother, or the woman with the high voice? (laughs) There's one character who looks at most (laughs) like five years older than Wallace Shawn, maybe even the same age or younger, and at one point he calls her mother. Oh no! You froze. Uh. She's from Speed. Her name is Beth Grant. You froze. Adam froze. You froze. You froze. froze. You're the one who froze. No, you froze. Frozen. No, you're frozen like you're frozen like ice. He who 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 smelt it is the one who froze. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we're just chilling now. What else? What else have you watched recently? Uh, what else? I watched Mayorwitz stories last night. Oh, you and selected, you know. You liked it. I loved it. Which ones did you like more, the new or the selected? Um, new. Hmm. I would say there's only one that's selected. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were all selected to be in the movie, right? I never watched it. Okay, I would say there's only one that's not new. <laughs> that's of any length so they don't really divide it into new and selected is what you're telling me not at all and okay also since no one is listening to this yeah no one's listening to this. Exact- okay first off first off <laughs> no one listens here's to my social security second page. off they're listening they're not listening to the southland tales episode third off <laughs> They're, they're not, not listening, listening this far into... an hour and 20 minutes in <laughs> oh okay if you listen should we give people a, a code word or whatever yeah and then if they tell it to if they tell it to me, I will actually give you five dollars. Yeah, I will actually. If you tell me this code word, if you tell it to Seb, I will also give you five dollars. <laughs> okay, you will get ten dollars just for listening this far, and that <laughs> that includes our co-hosts. <laughs> There's no way Hannah's listening to this. Nara's gonna uh, be listening know. to it for sure. Nara probably is. Nara always listens, uh, but yeah. I'll, I'll still honor it. Yeah, I'll still honor it, Nara. If you're listening, Funke? what's the code word? Funky, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Would they, I would think they listen this far? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, would they listen this far into an episode that they appeared in? Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the what's the code word? Um. Uh. Uh. Grape. Uh. Fruit. Grapefruit. Yeah. 
because okay, it's delicious. Okay, so if any, <laughs> anyone says grapefruit to me in any context, <laughs> I give them $10. <laughs> it never expires. No, it'll never expire. All right. Well, you give them five. I'll give them five. Yeah, and actually, well, you... you know what? That's one, that's one time. You can only say it once to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it never expires. How about you give them 10 and then I'll pay you back. I'll give you five. Just let me know. Okay. kind of feel like I'm never getting that five. You know? <laughs> You're getting the, you'll get the five. I'll pay you back. I'll excitedly give you that five. I'm, I just want to know that someone's listening. First off, listening to the podcast. Second off, listening to Southland Tales. Third off, listening this far in. Okay. Here's my thing with Noah Baumbach. In Meyerowitz stories, yeah. there's three. Have you seen it? No, I just told you I haven't seen it. Okay, right. There's three siblings, right, who are right doing now. When I said dad. no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. A guy <laughs> for everything you're asking me goes, yeah, I just told you. <laughs> Wait, ask me another question, Sim. Uh, how old are you? Eighteen. I literally just told you I'm eight. <laughs> uh 24 i told you that already okay well here's my issue with Noah characters run its course (laughs) yeah uh here's my issue with Noah bombach my with stories it's about three siblings dealing with their difficult father right Mm -hmm. the first 20 minutes are about adam sandler he's one of the then there's 20 minutes about ben stiller and then the sister No yeah. section of her own. The third section is just about <laughs> all of them. She has a oh brief moment where she tells a traumatic flashback story. That's the only story that's not new. Uh, that's like maybe like five minutes at most. And that's it. Mm-hmm. But all the rest of them, it's like about their whole lives. And I know partially the point right. of the characters that she's always ignored by the family. Like that's part of the, the thing. But still. And then he does the same thing in Marriage Story. Like, the movie starts with, like, both Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and their names are, like, put side by side at the title as if they're co-leads, and it intercuts them as if they're going to be, you know, dual protagonists. Then halfway through, it stops cutting Mm -hmm. to Scarlett Johansson. It's just about Adam Driver. That's fine. Just make a movie about Adam Driver. Don't set it up like that. You know? And he does the same thing in my ways. Don't structure it well, like that if you're not going to go all the way with it. Well, can I tell you something? Yeah. I've never seen any Noah Baumbach movies. I know, you just told me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even going to do that bit. <laughs> I've never seen a single one. You haven't even seen the Gerwig ones? No. I should say that, that both those movies I think are great. The ones that I just said. Uh, but the Gerwig ones are even better. Uh, Francis Han, Mistress America. The ones that she co-wrote and stars in. Mistress America is the Taylor Swift movie. Isn't that Miss America? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Was that funny? I don't know. I, I honestly thought it might be called Mistress America. You completely had me. <laughs> Isn't it called so Miss you- Americana? Yeah, wasn't that funny? <laughs> I have no idea. You could have said anything. That's what uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, the uh, yep. You said I could say anything, so I said anything I wanted. 
If you say kiwi, I will give you an extra dollar. I'm upping it. <laughs> Adam, don't match it. Okay. We'll go broke. <laughs> um, you got anything else to say about scores? this movie? Can do wax scores? I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I love this movie. Okay. I, uh, what do you think of um, the killer's part? Well, I think I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. <laughs> I guess we already talked about it. I love that scene. I think it's great. Why? I think there's a, a certain pathos to that character. You know, like you don't really get him. He's always narrating and being weird. And when he does interact with the story, he's just like shooting random people and like giving drugs to people. But in that scene, it's like, I feel like you understand what's in his head, which is like, He's supposedly coming home from Iraq, a celebrated hero, but it all seems phony, yeah. right? Seems like this fake thing in, a, in an arcade. So he's like all messed up in his face, and he's all messed up in his brain. Sorry. <laughs> it's a messed up thing to say. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? It did. I'm, ju- I'm sure. I just, no one has seen that movie. I've seen it. Yeah. Tell me tell me about it. Just like <laughs> No, I'm just saying it did remind me of it. But just that same kind of idea where it's like they come back home. Well, actually, I guess uh Billy Lynn's long halftime walk is more exposing like the shallowness of those like celebrations of like American yeah. war hero, where it's like yeah. these hero these quote unquote heroes, these veterans will be like trotted out at you know, like a Super Bowl halftime show or right. uh, put on display as like, look at these great heroes, which is really just like uh, like American propaganda and military propaganda. Yeah. Um, and like even within America itself, like these heroes aren't treated well as all when they treated well yeah. at all when they come back. Um, and this is, yeah, kind of the same. Total. I to a certain extent all the veteran characters we meet in this movie are super messed up like uh you know we find out roland tavener was a veteran and maybe that motivated or like contributed to him being a racist cop he's like messed up and has to you know inflict violence on people and uh is borderline suicidal uh you think that end you think the end I read that, like, that very last beat where it's, like, an America was saved by uh, a cop or whatever. It's, like, that's supposed yeah. to be ironic, right? Because they're obviously not saved. Uh, right. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Like, I couldn't tell if... Because you... I guess you do like the character at that point, and that character is not supposed to be, like, a crooked... Sorry, am I getting the characters right? I'm talking about no, the guy who's, like... Who's, that's uh, the thing doubled. that I, I'm... Yeah, I'm legitimately confused about is like, did they make up that persona of the racist cop for him just for the thing? Yeah, was he that yeah. Before he went through time, I, it's unclear. Yeah, I think I he know. was a cop, right? He was definitely a cop, but yeah, I had trouble with that as well because it's like he was abducted, or sorry, not abducted. When it's the version of him with amnesia, who doesn't know mm-hmm. who he is, he's told, yeah, you have to pretend to be. Like this guy who is a racist, crooked cop. Um, yes. 
but he seems very like surprised at uh like the other violence the violence part. and the racism yeah but that could be like is he would he be surprised finding out who like the real him is or is he just like actually not like that and they're just manipulating him to try and yeah like i could roll own. with it more if if there wasn't so much sympathy for the version of him that does wake up who does yeah. seem like he is the original version but at the end it seems like i read the ending as kind of like uh and i don't know if i agree but the i my reading of it was that um you know, America's so messed up. Look at we've de- of what we've done. We can completely self-destruct or we can choose to have compassion for ourselves, literally, because it's the two versions of him holding hands and decide not to self-destruct, you know, right. uh, externalize as him committing suicide, right? Uh, but then the other, a lot of the other characters do die or commit suicide, like the young guy who um, is enlisted and is scared, who seems like the one character you might want to save. Uh, he yeah. still martyrs himself. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, or like, or was that last moment like, you know, if the world is coming to an end and if as like a nation we are like imploding, it's like, why can't we find that compassion for ourselves even in the like implosion or compassion for like others even in the implosion? I don't know. I really couldn't yeah. tell. <laughs> I do think that's but that's like what that that's what makes it hard. I mean, I I already hit on this earlier, comparing it to Sorry to Bother You, but that's what makes that's my only hang up with this movie, which is a movie that I really like, but I can't really tell what the like core messaging is of it. I can like kind of deduce things, and if I watched it mm-hmm. again, I'm sure I would find like a clearer path. I like a movie that's super messy and super weird, um, as evidenced by my love for the Matrix sequels. But I, I just, I don't know what the, like, core ideology of this film is at all. And I feel like I do have trouble finding that mm-hmm. core ideology uh, amidst all the scattered ideas. But that might be on me. I, I don't know. I mean, it is, but well, it's also a well, thing. Yeah, well, I think, here's my, my excuse I use for a lot of movies like this, which is pretty cheap. But I do <laughs> like the idea that sometimes movies are... Um, trying to get the feeling of living through a time. And even if there's stuff that I don't fully agree with, I do feel this sort of sense of like, we're heading for doom and we're spiraling into chaos. And it does gives me a similar feeling to how I feel just watching the news, which is, you know, like a hacky thing to say, but I like, but from a detached perspective where I'm still having kind of a good time because I like the aesthetic and the actors and the music. Right. Um, But it does to me, feel like if if i was trying to like make a painting in my mind of how the current moment feels maybe i would come up with uh, a guy holding himself in a flying ice cream truck uh, sure yeah as, well it is i mean you know everything explodes around it but the movie is kind of like an expressionistic like painting mm-hmm. of uh existential uh national doom national terror yeah like this thought of like, yeah, we are going deeper and deeper into a self-destructive spiral. Um, here's just like a bunch of images that show that. Yeah. 
But I do, there's a kind of weird humanity to it that I do latch on to. It doesn't feel super cynical, and I didn't feel as um, Funke felt that it was um, just kind of this, like, mean-spirited parody that was above everything. I really mm. felt like it's it's kind of in the dirt with these characters. And uh, I do think it's surprising, and it's not a defense for everything, but it's at least unusual in this kind of movie that the movie doesn't really hate women and the cast is kind of diverse. Yeah. Um, it's at least like, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was like this edgy white guy, like trying to show that he was so much smarter than everyone. I yeah. felt like it was this complete weirdo who was trying to paint a picture of how it felt to watch everything that was happening. You know? And yeah, definitely. Capture like the national mood somehow. Yeah. Which I think he did, but he was just a bit too early. Yeah. You think this movie would be successful if it came out now? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think it would be more... I, I shouldn't say successful. Um, and also, what does success even really mean? Mm -hmm. uh, success is a... Is a Financially, no. I, I still think most people would hate it. <laughs> But I, I do think there has. Yeah, I meant. Yeah, I meant small... more like reaction to it. You think people would hate it? I think no. I think a lot of people would. I think there's a small community that's built around it now that maybe didn't happen on release or weren't able to connect with each other. Um, yeah. Like I think the way I think people have adopted it now in the way that they would if yeah. it came out now, but it'd just be a very niche kind of movie. I've heard. Um, I haven't seen it, but people compare Under the Silver Lake to this movie. Um, as oh, okay. another like super weird yeah, sort of expressionistic that. thing and that again has a very small cult around it that really like it and i feel like that's what would happen there's certainly movies that you know come out now and come out in the last couple of years that we all do not appreciate that will come to many years later 100 percent. but i do maybe maybe it's just because like i'm older now and i am more aligned with this like i'm mm. sure people uh like me existed <laughs> at the time of this film's release but i do feel like there's more people uh, now that are like willing to like embrace a totally weird all over the place messy yeah. expressionistic thing where maybe like people would have been a lot more uh snobby in years past mm -hmm. or being kind of like oh this doesn't fit into like our expected confines of what makes a good movie so immediately it sucks but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm different now. Yeah, I, it's hard to say. Like, I was about to say, I think, like, popular movies have become so safe and samey that I think now people are more interested in some of the weird stuff. But people have been saying that for, like, 30 years, right? People have been saying that since movies started. You know, yeah. they're like, oh, this but movie I do think it... the train coming into the station. So, uh, <laughs> so boring. People should go back to yeah. the theater. <laughs> where there's real plays <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And and we only really remember obviously the ones that stand out and and yeah. feel uh like we're not we're not remembering the like many movies that were forgettable that came out. But I do think that like I am I now like going to a uh uh Hollywood blockbuster, I'm like hoping for anything that just feels like 
mm-hmm. really weird in some guy. Like I really liked like Alita Battle Angel, and that's like not that weird, but it was like weird enough of a blockbuster that I was just like, okay, this fits what I like. I'm I'm, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think that was a little more normal, you know. Like people even say that about the Pirates movies. You know, the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. The second and third, at least, are, like, wildly ambitious and strange and, like, uh, full of action. They're, like, three hours long, and they're, like, uh, very much the vision of this one weirdo, Gore Verbinski. Uh, And then you look at the Pirates sequels now, even in the same franchise, and they're the most, you know, watered-down thing in the world. Right, right. And a lot of the, you know, these new franchises feel like that. Yeah, I don't know. Knows, should we just should we just end this? We're gonna end this shit. <laughs> Pomegranate, kiwi, the offer still stands. Yeah, okay. so uh, I'm giving this a five. Tiles. I'm giving it a five. Yeah, it's a five. All right, right. first it's, ever it's five. A, it's a full. It's five. We're so Woo! excited. First ever five. <laughs> <laughs> this is a momentous. This is no a historic that. moment in Is It Whack history. And no one is here to experience. If a five falls on, is it whack? <laughs> it makes no, yeah. No one is there to do <laughs> want to just read the sketch? <laughs> read the fanfic? Who cares? Yeah, and then, no, no, it's fine. Nah, come on, come on. <laughs> Seb, come on. <laughs> Seb. Come on. I'm not I'm having a great time. Oh, I'm having a Remember blast. Remember when we had a podcast that was just us? Yeah. Well there was never any episode. I guess that was, was just the... you and me though. Yeah, it was always guess. And I mean I'm just trying to, you know justify missing my co host. I'm trying to like I'm trying to mm-hmm. find the bright side. Yeah, make it into a good thing, you know. You and I get to talk. Yeah. Yeah, this is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's uh, that's probably going to be our worst episode ever. Yeah. Nah, that's our best one. Yeah, this one's going to go viral. Going to be in debt. <laughs> <laughs> as a po- <laughs> when does a podcast go viral? I mean, I guess like uh, serial. Yeah, I don't know if like individual, but like a, a specific, viral. yeah, individual episode doesn't go <laughs> viral. Maybe some of those like gimmicky ones that are, I'm not like gimmicky, but you know, like something like Reply All or whatever, where they're like investigating one oh, yeah, thing yeah. per episode, right? Like, yeah, sometimes. one specific story, yeah, yeah, or investigating yeah. Seth, like, or like a, yeah, hey, yeah. Why don't we make a special episode about uh, investigating something? Yeah, a very special episode. All right. Um, thank you to uh, Emma Kudlack for the art and to Ian Mills for the music. Go to at InsomniacFest on Instagram, Insomniac underscore Fest on Twitter, InsomniacFestival.com. Come back next week. We're going to talk about, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who cares? Maybe Alita Battle Angel. Maybe <laughs> Junkhead, a 30-minute... Maybe the first 30 minutes of Junkhead. Stop motion, a com- animated film completely by one person, and it's available on YouTube. And I've seen the full feature, but it's not available yet, but the first 30 minutes are kind of like a short. 
Spanish. Well, they are short. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Can I take us out? Yeah, please. And then the world was saved by Officer Adam Bovalettis. No, my I don't want to be an officer. <laughs> by Captain Adam Bovalettis. Like a what ship. kind of captain? Like a ship. Like okay. you drive okay. a commercial good, vessel. Good, good. You're yeah, a fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. By Captain Adam Bovalettis, my best friend. Aww. But he never stopped recording. Because, <laughs> oh, wait, is this problematic too? Because he is a pimp. And pimps never stop recording. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs>